Good Thursday morning. Donald Trump facing a judge in a matter of hours. Yeah, front and center in a Washington courtroom. It's August 3rd. This is today. Arraignment day. The former president set to appear in federal court on charges he conspired to overturn the 2020 election, pressuring Vice President Mike Pence to set aside the legitimate vote. The president was surrounded by a group of crackpot lawyers that kept telling him what his itching ears wanted to hear. This morning, the case against Trump, his controversial defense, and how the day will play out. We're there live. Breaking point, hundreds of families sleeping on the streets of New York as the hotel housing migrants reaches max capacity. This is an all hands on deck moment. The new cry for help from officials while the showdown at the southern border takes a deadly turn. We'll have the very latest. Going up, gas prices on the rise. The national average now the highest in nearly a year. Just ahead, why the heat wave has gas prices soaring and when you could see some relief. Rough landing, passengers evacuated on emergency slides after a Delta plane's tires suddenly burst at the nation's busiest airport. Inside the investigation now underway. Surprising split, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his wife separating after 18 years of marriage. The high profile breakup and what the powerful political couple is saying about it. Today exclusive. He was my life. Tony Bennett's wife and son honoring the legendary singer on what would have been his 97th birthday. He said it to the day he died. You know, it's, it's, it's all about love. Their heartfelt memories in their first interview since the passing of the music icon. Today, Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Good to see you. It's a Thursday morning. Thanks for starting it with us. It is August 3rd. It is already football time and people are ready. Uh, why should we <laughs> yeah, wait till September? Exactly. Preseason, we're here for it. The yeah. game is tonight. It's on NBC. we got Jets versus Browns. But let's get to our top story. Today's arraignment of Donald Trump. Overnight police in D.C. tightening security, installing metal barriers all around the federal courthouse where Donald Trump will face a judge. The former president is expected to appear at 4 o'clock Eastern time and will face four felony counts tied to his efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. We do have complete coverage. We're going to start off with NBC's Garrett Haake, who's at the courthouse just down the road from the U.S. Capitol. Hey, Garrett, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning. This four o'clock hearing this afternoon should be short. Just one defendant, Donald Trump, expected to plead not guilty to the new charges, by far the most serious of the dozens he now faces. Donald Trump set to face a federal judge today and the four new felony counts filed against him for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election. The former president thanking his supporters for standing by him in the face of what he's slamming as an unprecedented indictment for what prosecutors describe as a criminal scheme to hang on to power after the last election. Special counsel Jack Smith says he wants to see a trial as soon as possible. But with the rapidly approaching election, Mr. Trump's attorneys indicating their defense will rely on the First Amendment. 
It's the first time that a sitting president is attacking a political opponent on First Amendment grounds and basically making a criminal to, to, to state your position and to engage in political. I've got to give you a little time out on that one yeah, because of we've course, never seen that before. Well, the indictment specifically says that that the president has a First Amendment right to speech. Yes. He even has a First Amendment right to lie. And, it and, says it right and, here. Absolutely. This indictment is criminalizing conduct, not speech. No, it's criminalizing speech for this reason. What the president saw in the 2020 election was all these irregularities going on. He had every right to comment on that. Overnight, Mr. Trump's former attorney general, Bill Barr, who has been critical of the former president since leaving office, saying the First Amendment will not protect the former president, but adding that he believes Mr. Trump knew he lost the election. At first, I wasn't sure, but I have come to believe that he uh, knew well that he had lost the election. Central to the plot outlined by prosecutors was an alleged effort by Mr. Trump and his co-conspirators, including attorneys Rudy Giuliani and John Eastman, to pressure Vice President Mike Pence to set aside the lawful vote count on January 6th, which Pence repeatedly refused to do. I dismissed it out of hand, but sadly, the president was surrounded by a group of crackpot lawyers that kept telling him what his itching ears wanted to hear. Pence now challenging his former boss for the 2024 GOP nomination. Mr. Trump firing back on social media, saying he feels badly for Pence, suggesting his campaign has struggled because, quote, he didn't fight against election fraud. Other rivals largely standing by the GOP frontrunner, including Florida's Ron DeSantis, who says Mr. Trump can't get a fair trial in overwhelmingly Democratic Washington, D.C. A D.C. jury would indict a ham sandwich and convict a ham sandwich if it was a Republican ham sandwich. A D.C. jury would be just the most recent and most pressing of Mr. Trump's many legal problems. The former president now on track to face at least three different trials in three different jurisdictions in the coming election year. Hoda. All right, Garrett. Uh, Also security top of mind. What are the preparations like there? Yeah, Hoda, significant security preparations seen and unseen here at the federal courthouse. Overnight, court officials and police put out metal barricades pushing back. Uh, the distance between the courthouse and the public here. Uh, we saw canine units out on the street yesterday and more police from different jurisdictions arriving to help lock down this federal courthouse. It all comes after a pretty scary scene yesterday, just two blocks up the road on Capitol Hill, where police responded to reports of an active shooter in a Senate office building. It led to quick evacuations, lockdowns, staffers being taken out of a building at the point of a gun as police searched through these Senate office buildings. Ultimately, they found no shooter, and that 911 call is now under investigation. But just a tense and scary scene ahead of a busy day here today where folks are hoping for a much calmer environment than what we saw at the last arraignment in Miami. Yeah. Hoda? All right, Garrett Higforth there at the courthouse. Garrett, thank you. And joining us now, NBC News legal analyst Danny Savalos. Hi, Danny. Good morning. You know, a big issue. We're going to do this arraignment. It's pretty pro forma. An issue that's going to come up pretty quickly is when this trial date will be set. The prosecutor has said, we're ready to go. We want a speedy trial. As you and I both know, it's the defendant's right to the speedy trial. How do you think these issues will play out, whether or not we're going to see a trial before the election? You're exactly right. The Speedy Trial Act is supposed to benefit the defendant, a defendant who, say, is being held in jail and wants his trial to come forward and wants the government to put up or shut up. But in long-ranging federal investigations like this, the Speedy Trial Act actually benefits the government because I would bet that Jack Smith is ready to go to trial tomorrow on this case. Meanwhile, the defense hasn't gotten one stitch of discovery yet. And when you had that terrific interview yesterday with Trump's defense attorney, he pointed that out. They do need time to review documents. And another 
big time uh, part of this is going to be motions. Motions to dismiss by the defense based on the constitutionality of these charges and whether or not this judge decides to allow, even if she denies them, decides to allow them to go up on appeal before trial. So it, it, it's the, the defense has a right to say, let's slow it down. Let me get discovery. The, the government can't force a trial in 70 days. In a way, the defense has a right to a speedy trial. A defense does not have a right to the opposite of a speedy trial. The defense does not have the right to delay. And that is particularly true in federal court where criminal dockets move like rockets. They well, move very quickly. It, it, and a lot of this falls to the judge. And already we're seeing some of Trump's allies saying, OK, this judge is an Obama appointed judge. She's been super tough on some of these January 6th defendants. In these federal cases, the judges are literally turned. It's almost like a wheel. You kind of get assigned at random. Exactly. For example, yes. down in Florida, you had a, a Trump appointed judge. A great spin of the wheel in Florida. Right. So it's like, you know, it's, it's that, that's just how it goes. But how how might that play out, especially when the, the defense is also suggesting Donald Trump saying maybe we should do a change of venue and move this case to West Virginia? Yeah, that motion will be denied. And really, with this defendant, he's unique in that you can look at election results and get an idea about how every federal district feels about Donald Trump. It's very interesting if you look at 2016 and 2020. We've never had that with any other defendant. But that being said, I don't see a judge denying a motion for a change of venue. Those are very hard to win. Yes, this is the most unique defendant ever. But I still think this case stays in D.C. And look, maybe this is a defense attorney speaking, but uh, when it comes to saying that this particular judge may be harsh in sentencing, you could make an argument that all federal judges are harsh in sentencing because the sentencing guidelines call for some pretty stiff penalties uh, for federal crimes. That's just the way it's always been. All right, Danny, thank you very much. At a programming note, NBC News will bring you live coverage of this afternoon's arraignment on these stations. Now, what's being called a humanitarian crisis right here in the heart of New York City. Hundreds of migrants camping outside a hotel in midtown Manhattan. It's being used as an arrival center for people seeking asylum in the United States. NBC's Ron Allen is right there for us. Hey, Ron, good morning. Good morning, Hoda. This is a huge landmark hotel that had been closed for several years until a few months ago when the city reopened it. Homeless shelters around the city had reached capacity. The city was struggling to find housing for thousands of migrants arriving every day. Now this has become the arrival center for hundreds. Hundreds line the streets every day, many sleeping on the streets overnight, hoping for a chance to apply for housing that will get them off the streets. As communities nationwide are affected by the crisis at the border, in New York, amid the pricey stores and midtown office crowd, these men who say they came here from West Africa hope they finally reach the front of the line to apply for shelter. I have uh, seven days here. Seven days you've been sleeping on the street here? Yeah, yeah. The crisis deepening this week, with New York's mayor, Eric Adams, saying... There is no more room. Adams says over the past year, a record number of asylum seekers, more than 100,000 so far, have arrived at the city's doorstep. Many of them bus from states like Texas to New York and other self-proclaimed sanctuary cities. The city's emergency management commissioner gave us rare access to a so-called respite center, what used to be a part of a prison, now temporarily housing migrants. We saw dozens of cots lined up, bathrooms, and not much else. So this place we're in now, is, is, this, is this adequate? So this is not adequate. I mean, all of us, I mean, you see what's happening at the Roosevelt Hotel? That's heartbreaking for us, right? This is something that we have been fighting against for months. The transport of migrants, just one measure that some border state governors are taking, saying the situation is untenable. The Biden administration needs to enforce the laws already on the books that stop people from crossing illegally. 
Texas recently installing a barrier of buoys in the Rio Grande River to deter crossings, a controversial move that some say puts migrants in danger and which the U.S. Justice Department has opposed. Overnight, Mexico's Ministry of Foreign Affairs saying a body of a dead person has been found stuck in the southern part of the buoys. Meanwhile, back in New York, the Roosevelt's hundreds of rooms are filled, with priority given to families with children, like this woman who says she arrived here from Venezuela 15 days ago, telling us she's grateful to be off the streets. City officials say there are plans to create more shelter space, including huge tent-covered facilities that can accommodate as many as a thousand migrants. At the same time, they say that every day about 500 more asylum seekers come to the city. Hoda. All right, Ron Allen for us there in the heart of Midtown. Ron, thank you. The gunman who stormed a Pittsburgh synagogue and killed 11 worshipers in 2018 will be sentenced to death today. A federal judge will formally send Robert Bowers to death row following yesterday's jury recommendation. The 50-year-old was convicted of the mass shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in the heart of Pittsburgh's Jewish community. Before the attack, he voiced hatred of Jews and expressed white supremacist beliefs online. The victim's family spoke out after the verdict. Finally, justice has been served. And even though nothing will bring my dad back, I feel like a weight has been lifted and I can breathe a sigh of relief. The shooting is one of the deadliest acts of anti-Semitism in U.S. history. All right, we got a lot more to get to, including the return of a familiar yet unwelcome trend. Gas prices, they are going back up. In fact, the average for a gallon of regular is now the highest it's been in nine months. NBC's Sam Brock is in the Florida Keys with more on that. So, Sam, why are the prices going back up? Yeah, hold on. This is not exactly the kind of familiarity that many people wanted right now. And it's the middle of the summer. You might think a lot of families are taking vacations and road trips. It's got to be the demand that's pushing things up. No. If anything, the demand has actually dipped. The reason that we've seen gas prices nationally rise more than a quarter in the last month, at least the largest contributor right now, Hoda, is oil refineries and how they're affected by these record-breaking temperatures. So many of these refineries are located in the south along the Gulf Coast. States like Texas and Louisiana, optimally, they're designed to function up to 95 degrees Fahrenheit. But we've obviously, in the middle of this heat wave we talked so much about, gone well above that. That is restrained production. Let's give you a snapshot right now of what prices look like now. Nationally, the average is $3.82 a gallon. A week ago, Hoda, that was $3.71. And a month ago, $3.53 a gallon. So a dramatic difference. And as far as the splits nationally, it's more expensive on the West Coast in general, especially California, which is the only state above $5 a gallon. On the flip side, the cheapest states are in the South, Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana, all about $3.30 a gallon, maybe a little bit more than that. In the good news department, look at where we were historically just over a year ago in June of 2022. It was over $5 a gallon nationally. So it's a far cry from that, at least right now. Well, Sam, how long do you think these gas prices will stay at this height? So that's the big question right now, Hoda. Certainly the hurricane season has a lot to do with that. Storms are the biggest threat to take some of these refineries offline. Another X factor in all this is the production from other countries, namely Saudi Arabia, which recently decided to scale back about a million barrels a day in terms of its global output. But more good news, because I know we like that as temperatures come down, as the summer wears on and we get into the fall, it's expected to provide some relief, at least, for drivers. All right. Sam Brock for us there in the Keys. Sam, thank you so much. Passengers on board a Delta Airlines flight landing in Atlanta yesterday were forced to evacuate the plane on the tarmac. 
You can see it here. The passengers had to exit down the emergency slide after the plane's tires blew out while touching down around 6 o'clock last night. The FAA says the left main gear tires burst. Thankfully, it appears nobody was injured. Delta Flight 1437 originated in Richmond, Virginia. Scary. Wow. Yeah. All right. It is time to say good morning to our pal Al and check out the weather. Hey, Al. Hey, good morning, guys, and good morning to you. We've got some severe weather going on right now in the midsection of the country. We've got flash flood watches, flash flood warnings from Alabama all the way up into Missouri. Heavy showers and thunderstorms are going to be training. We've got a flood risk basically from Evansville, Nashville, Charlotte, Atlanta, also out through the plains into the Rockies. We're talking about repeated rounds of thunderstorms, heavy rain. We're talking anywhere from three to four inches of rain down through the Tennessee River Valley later today and into tomorrow. We're going to be looking at a lot of wet weather in the northeast and again, more heavy showers and thunderstorms through the plains. Again, locally, four to seven inches of rain down through the lower Mississippi River Valley and the Tennessee River Valley as well. And that's your latest weather. Guys. Thanks, Al. Thank you. Still ahead this morning, an unexpected announcement making worldwide headlines. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his wife separating after 18 years of marriage. Emily Ikeda is following the story for us. Hi, Emily. Good morning. Well, they're one of the most recognized couples on the world stage. Now turning the page on their seemingly storybook marriage after 18 years. Coming up, what Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is saying about the unusual in-office split and how the family is moving forward. Guys? All right, Em. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back at 730. Okay, well, what's going on here? It's a sticky situation, Hoda. Mm -hmm. Those are cans and cans of nacho cheese littering a highway. Oh my gosh. Which is a tragedy. <laughs> the truck that was carrying them overturned. It led to a backup, a big massive backup of traffic and a mess. It wasn't, I mean, you know, if you had chips nearby, I was going to say the chip we'd have a different had situation. A okay, there, you, there yeah. you got that. And then the police came and they were like, was that your cheese? And they were like, no, it's not your cheese. <laughs> Okay. You know what? Sorry. Rim but shot. it was crying that out was for that. That was a broker joke. It really was. Look, Al, I can hear Al laugh. Thank you, Al. All right, guys. We are going to start this half hour with a surprising announcement from Canada's Prime Minister. Justin Trudeau and his wife of 18 years are separating. NBC's Emily Ketta is here with more on that and how it could impact our neighbors to the north. Emily, good morning. Good morning to you both. Every time Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has won Canada's highest office, his wife Sophie has been by his side. The 51-year-old has said she has profoundly influenced influenced his life as well as his politics. But now the couple who share three children, all under 15, say they're calling it quits. 
This morning, one of the most recognized couples on the world stage turning the page on their storybook relationship after 18 years of marriage. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and wife Sophie Gregoire Trudeau writing on Instagram, after many meaningful and difficult conversations, we have made the decision to separate. The couple have been a glamorous and prominent globe-trotting duo. Their split, unusual for a prominent political family, now drawing headlines. Gregoire Trudeau is a former TV personality and has become a powerful voice for gender equality. The two married in 2005 and share three children together. The pair, appearing in the pages of Vogue, recounting how they first met as school children and eventually reconnected at a charity event decades later. Soon after, Trudeau says he told her, I'm 31 years old and I've been waiting for you for 31 years. Even after ascending to the top of Canada's political ladder, the Prime Minister has not shied away from celebrating their love. Writing on social media several months ago, there's no one I'd rather have by my side. She was an asset and she was a political partner. Now she no longer is. Trudeau has acknowledged ups and downs in their partnership, opening up in an interview on Canadian television in 2014. There are times when she she hates my job and she hates me for loving my job. In a recent appearance on Meghan Markle's podcast, Grégoire Trudeau highlighted challenges that modern women and mothers face. A little girl is not born feeling guilty for being a girl. We learn it. And that's completely unacceptable. While public opinion of divorce has shifted, experts say separations involving public officials can be complicated. He wants to keep everything fairly private, and he's going to try to keep this off the radar as he tries to deal with his kids and kind of navigate through what will be a difficult time for him personally. I mean, this is a hard situation yeah. in, in any circumstance, mm-hmm. but to be the leader of, an, of yeah. a nation like Canada. Mm-hmm. Especially so, in the public eye. Have they kind of indicated how they plan on managing this relationship going forward. So the prime minister's office have said the family will remain very close and people can expect to see them together in the public, including next week when the family plans to go on vacation together. In the meantime, though, the Trudeaus understandably asking for privacy as they continue through this difficult time. Mm -hmm. Emily, thank you. All right. All right. Let's show you what's uh, happening. Oh, this is crazy stuff. Look at this lightning over over uh, Las Vegas last night. I mean, uh, odds are you're not going to see anything like that anywhere going on. And if you think it has been severe weather for the month of August, well, July, that was crazy. We had the record months of severe weather, 110 tornado reports, large hail reports, over 1,200 of them. As far as wind damage reports, more than 5,000. And in fact, is the most storm reports ever on record for a July. Well, what about the heat? We know about the heat. 23 cities had their hottest July ever from Key West all the way to Yuma, Arizona. We're talking about Phoenix with 30 days of 110 plus readings. That was in a broke a record. El Paso, 30 days of 100 plus. Miami had a heat index of over 100 for 29 days, and the heat continues through the southwest. New Orleans comes to a record for today. Houston coming very close. El Paso as well. Phoenix, Arizona continues with the heat. Tomorrow from Tucson to Albuquerque, records possible Baton Rouge, Laredo, and Del Rio, but here in the Great Lakes, the Northeast, New England, more seasonal temperatures right on into early next week. Low to mid-80s here in New York. Upper 
80s to near 90 in Richmond, Chicago. You'll be in the low to mid 80s all the way down to Nashville with temperatures in the upper 80s and low 90s as well. And that's your latest weather, guys. I think so. Al, thank you. Still ahead. We've been waiting for this one. Hoda's exclusive conversation with Tony Bennett's wife and son mm-hmm. honoring him on what would have been his 97th mm-hmm. birthday today. Yeah, today. They had the sweetest things to say about Tony, how he spread joy. And of course, that legendary voice that even shared what his final song was, the last song he sang. Coming up on Popstart, the new documentary spotlighting the amazing history of the San Francisco music scene. We're going to give you a sneak peek of that on Popstart. Plus, speaking of the music scene, our buddy Wolfgang Van Halen is here. The new album, Mammoth 2, is out today. There the boys are. What are you guys doing? I'm all right today? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no? Not like a pastime? Great new record. We're going to chat about it and uh, all things in Wolfie's life. <laughs> 